I am an uncommon church builder. I am leading second. Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Stewart and welcome back to the Leading Second podcast where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders that our pastors would absolutely kill to have on the team. Well, I was in the office uh, all day today in meetings, as is the custom, it seems like, on Tuesdays. Uh, Of course, the Leading Second offices are housed at my home church, Champion Center, and it's a busy season in our world. Uh, We are coming up on the eve of Team Church Conference at the beginning of August here, which I hope you're planning to attend. And if you're not able to make it to the Seattle area, uh, August 6th through the 8th, I hope you'll join us at teamchurchconference.com for a live experience we have online. And, you know, Leading Second is actually an extension of and an expression of the Team Church tribe. And so uh, our worlds collide a few times a year, this being one of them. So lots of fun things coming down uh, the pike for this fall. In fact, I'll make a quick announcement uh, along those lines for Leading Second uh, in regards to merch. Uh, We have had a lot of requests lately for merch. We ran a couple of short runs of some items right when we launched back in February and blew through those in one day and, and, um, haven't had any since then, but I'm excited to announce that we are releasing a new line of merch through leading second, uh, on August 6th. It'll be available at team church conference in person for those of you that will be there in person as well as online at leadingsecond.com. So you'll definitely want to check that out for a few days while we have the store open. Anyways, I'm so excited for our episode today. I've been waiting for this episode to get here and you're going to be so impacted by what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Before we get there, we have a question from a listener of the Leading Second podcast that we want to uh, answer today. Uh, As you know, last week I gave a shout out to everyone who is in Brisbane, Australia, and you can listen to that episode to hear why. Well, funny thing, uh, we heard from several of you this week uh, from Brisbane, which I absolutely loved. And uh, someone actually sent in a question. So I fast tracked that question and figured that would be a great one to answer on this episode. So let's check out this question coming to you straight from Brisbane, Australia. Hey guys, my name's Kieran. I'm a youth pastor in Brisbane, Australia. Uh, First of all, I just wanted to say um, good job on the podcast. Love it. Uh, I think it's both unique and necessary. And so you guys are smashing it. Good job. Hey, I had a question. So as I said, I'm a youth pastor. My senior pastors are also my in-laws, my wife's parents. And so my question is surrounding um, serving family in ministry, whether it's a parent or an in-law or maybe a brother or sister in some cases. But um, obviously this comes with its own set of unique challenges and also benefits. Um, So I wonder if you guys had any thoughts around serving family in ministry. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Keep it up. Well, Kieran, it was great to hear from you. And uh, I love this question. In fact, when you sent us this question, uh, you also suggested it as a future episode of the podcast, which I couldn't agree with you more. And we are absolutely going to get that scheduled. For the time being, uh, for the sake of your question today, uh, thank you for asking it. It's a big question. I am not a PK. Uh, I am 
very close, I think, to being one in that I've grown up around ministry and around my pastors, but I'm not one. And um, I'm raising my own now. But I have had a lot of years of being very close friends with my pastor's daughter and now her husband and have a lot of friends around the country and work with a lot of people around the country who are PKs. And so I feel like I have a a close view for not being a pastor's kid. And I would just probably say a couple things to you uh, quickly regarding this relationship. Number one, I would just encourage you in any PK listening to never apologize for or back up from the the place that you have as your pastor's kid. It's, it's the greatest blessing of God on your life. And no matter what anyone says and how anyone treats you, never apologize for it and never back up from it. That God has positioned you to do something significant and, and God has blessed you uh, with that position. And he wants to use that in a very unique way. I think the second thing I would say to you Along those lines, though, is that as you lead, and I was thinking how to answer this in terms of leading second, and what I realized is that you're going to have to lead on a team. And that means you're going to have to lead on a team that's primarily made up of other people that are not your pastor's kids. And of course, in your position, you married into the family. I think you got to realize that the number one battle you're going to face is a view of entitlement, meaning others are going to view you as entitled, that you got where you are simply because of your last name or the family you married into. I don't believe that's the case, but I just believe that that's the number one perception you'll have to battle. So let me just encourage you with this, that you're going to have to work extra hard, maybe even a little bit unfairly, But you're going to have to work extra hard to approach your role with humility and be others first. Just approach your role and sense on the team. Never apologize for it. Never back up from it, but approach it with a sense of humility and approach it with a sense of promoting others, pushing others out to the front, being so for others. One of the great ways that we gain influence with others is just to champion them and to help them succeed. When someone's life is fundamentally different because of you, they just can't wait to follow you next time. And so I just encourage you to um, to approach it with the right spirit and to keep on and and to realize that you'll always probably have some people that don't understand and don't understand that role. And in that case, never apologize for it. But you can do your part, which is lead with a sense of strength and humility and being others first. I just, I just feel like that'll go a long way for you and for everyone listening. So thank you for that question today. If you have a question that you would love to hear answered on the podcast, I'd encourage you to join the Leading Second Forum on Facebook. We'd love to have you in our community. You can ask your question there or email us at leadingsecond at churchforward.co, leadingsecond at churchforward.co. We'd love to feature your question on a future episode of the podcast. All right, so for today's episode, I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Israel Campbell. He and his wife, Rachel, are the campus pastors of Wave Church in Los Angeles. It is a tough assignment, folks, um, to pastor in Hermosa Beach and Manhattan Beach, where they're at. Uh, Israel and Rachel have an incredible story an incredible passion for ministry. You are absolutely going to love this conversation on the art 
of sonship. In fact, I'll mention Israel has a book coming out later this year on the art of sonship. You're going to want to get a hold of that. Stay tuned to uh, his Instagram and his site uh, for more information on that. Let's head over to this interview, my conversation with Israel Campbell. Hey, Israel, thanks for jumping on a Skype call here for a few minutes today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You are probably um, in Southern California as we are talking, which makes me extremely, extremely jealous. Uh, tell us about the uh-huh. the tough place that God has called you to suffer for the Lord and pastor. Yes, these people need Jesus too in Hermosa Beach, California. <laughs> and uh, yes, it is a nice 70 degrees, no humidity and great waves. And so if you needed to, uh, Brandon, have a board meeting, you could come down here and grab your surfboard and have a great meeting. I am going to take you up on that. That's probably not uh, not something I have to pray about even. But uh, hey, we love you and your wife, uh, Rachel, your family. Um, love so much about your, your story. So thank you for a few minutes today. Thank you, um, I guess, not only for your time. Thank you for just being someone that comes into my life and challenges me. Uh, our, our friendship actually goes back to a time when I needed to call someone and pick someone's brain about a situation we were facing. And through several recommendations, this name Israel Campbell came my way and you made some time and challenged me and gave me some wisdom and it was extremely helpful. And I've, I've made you hang out with me anytime we've been in Southern California ever since. So I love it, man. (laughs) Oh, I love it too. But you always um, tell that story, but you get part of it wrong because you forget about the major impact I made on oh, you not when you were in this. your <laughs> yes, yes. I preached a message uh, one time that was so phenomenal that you don't even remember it or remember <laughs> me. Uh, and so, what's been great about our relationship is um, you keep me humble, and I remember that I actually still have a long ways to go. So, yes. You know, I pro- <laughs> I probably could clarify that story and redeem it a little bit. I think we're just going to let it sit right there. Um, just, just, just right in that space. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I am forever grateful for the impact you made on my life that I don't remember. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. And this is a recorded podcast. So now I will be using that on all my material. So thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So get us started. I always like to ask people that we're talking with on the podcast, tell us something about you that is unique, interesting, or something that people listening may not know about you. Okay. Uh, that uh, there's, again, you have a short podcast, so I can't tell you everything that's unique and interesting about me. But <laughs> one thing is that I am actually 100% deaf in my left ear. And uh, it almost kept me from getting married because when I was in bridal school or a uh, Bible school, rather, uh, bridal I sat school, next that would be interesting. to, yes, yes. Uh, I sat next to this good looking woman of God. And she said that she talked to me several times in class, but I never heard her because I'm deaf in my left ear. But thank God for Old Testament survey in the third quarter. (laughs) And I sat on my, she sat on my good side and I heard her and uh, the rest is history. Three kids later living in Southern California. So there's something kind of interesting, I guess. No, that's, it's, it's fascinating. And, um, but Hey, we love what you all are doing. You're part of 
Wave Church, but Wave Church in LA. And I, what I love so much about your, um, your role and your life is you are a lead pastor and a campus pastor. Um, I mean, kind of at the same time, why don't you tell people about the, I guess the house that you're part of and the church that you planted and, and all of that. Yeah. Again, we are suffering for Jesus in Hermosa Beach, and uh, we are campus pastors here under uh, our leadership of our senior pastor, Pastor Steve and Pastor Sharon Kelly in Virginia Beach. And, um, you know, uh, we just have this incredible relationship where we actually had pastored for 10 years in North Carolina and uh, in a sense had, um, you know, this relationship where they pastored us without necessarily the title. And, um, you know, we were influenced by them, learning from them, and um, just knowing that there was another uh, phase in our ministry and another season for us. And uh, we actually chose to, in a sense, be under their leadership. So, you know, we could have maybe been the Lone Rangers and done it ourselves, but we really recognize the importance of um, having not doing life alone, and then also the importance of, you know, having some spiritual authority in your life, people that can hold you accountable and can stretch you and uh, can also help you do what maybe you could never do on your own. So I just want to stop there for a second and make sure everyone listening understands what you just said, because it's profound. And it's probably the reason we're even talking today is the idea that you had pastored and and had done well pastoring and yet you saw the need and, and felt God leading you to be under authority and be a part of something bigger than you and you actually moved yourself and your family and church and ministry all of that under someone else's leadership and I just think not only is that so rare I just think so many people could benefit from having that kind of perspective even in their own situation, on how much blessing there actually is when you live your life under authority. Yeah, um, you know, I think independence sometimes is overrated. <laughs> sure. And uh, Jesus, Jesus marveled at the centurion because the centurion said, you know, I'm under authority and that's why I have authority. And Jesus marveled at that. And uh, I do think a lot of people miss out on that great um, you know, principle, and uh, it affects every area of your life. And, um, you know, obviously it's got to be the right fit, but um, every pastor needs a pastor. And uh, if you don't have that, you're missing out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a few months ago or a couple months ago, you shared with me that you were in the process of writing a book, which is now set to come out later this year. And man, when you told me this title, I about did a lap around my living room. Uh, The Art of Sonship. The Art of Sonship. I I am literally, like, I can't wait to read this. Tell us a little bit about this book and why you you chose to write this. Yeah, you know... um... Uh, it's funny because when you write a book, your first thought is the only thing that I could actually write on would be a color book. And uh, I didn't (laughs) know if I had enough uh, to even fill that up. But actually, you write things that you 
hopefully are living and, you know, even our relationship on some of the things that we've talked um, on, you know, the heart that you have for uh, God's house. And then just some of the things that I've walked through was really trying to learn that um, art of, of sonship. And I believe it is an art. It is almost in some cases, in some people's lives, uh, the lost art uh, and other people is just, um, you know, learning how to do that. But really the whole book uh, is on David and his sons. And, and uh, you know, David was an incredible warrior. We find uh, the most about a biblical character uh, probably in the life of their whole life, probably about David. We get to see when he was young. We get to see when he was old. We get to see, um, you know, his relationship with Saul. We get to see his relationship with his kids. We see his sin and all of that. And so this story is about David's sons. And a lot of people don't know this, but David actually had 18 different sons and only one reigned. And, um, you know, think about this. If you're a son of David, your dad is um, the nation's best songwriter. He's like Bono. Uh, He's the best (laughs) warrior. So he is, you know, he's the equivalent of the LeBron James. He's, um, you know, Tom Brady goat. And then uh, besides all of those things, he he is this, you know, um, Israel's second king. And so the book goes through uh, the lives of David's sons and why some of his sons, you know, um, did well and some of his sons didn't do well. And we know from biblical reference, Jesus says that, um, you know, we're called to do greater things. And so when it's the thought of sonship, you know, fathers really do want their kids to do better than they did. Yet in case of David and his kids, um, you can actually see where some of them uh, missed out on this great potential and this great future. And uh, I've been around church long enough that I've seen people that were way more gifted, way more talented, way more anointed, but now aren't even in church or some of them, unfortunately, maybe not even be Christians anymore because they never learned in a sense that art of sonship, learning how to be a son and getting everything that God wanted to birth through their spiritual father through and to them, if that makes sense. Absolutely makes perfect sense. But yet, sadly, I agree with you. I think you could have called it the lost art of sonship because I I truly believe in our society that actually lives with a very fractured family unit in many ways. um, It is truly becoming a lost art. And along those lines, I think I'd want to ask you this question because every great book and every great teaching, every great thought comes out of a problem that it's trying to solve, you know, <laughs> and, and I guess what what problem were you trying to address or solve? What what need did you see that led you to write this? I mean, what what would you want someone to get out of this book? Yeah, well, I think it first starts with a personal revelation for yourself. Uh, I think the need was me looking at some of the um, things that were rising up in my heart and the things that I had to process and the things that, you know, sometimes in church life that didn't seem right or 
didn't seem fair. Um, I was either, in a sense, just in my mind, I had to make a choice. Which son would I be? Would I be the son that self-sabotaged? Would I be the son that um, became rebellious? Or would I be the son that actually um, reigned? And in Solomon's case, you know, Solomon was actually able to do things that were um, more than what David could. In fact, God said, hey, David, you can't build the temple. David, you can't do this but your son Solomon would. And so I want to be that kind of son that does things that, you know, maybe the other generations weren't able to, but I passed the test. And so to answer your question, that's what I want for this next generation of church leaders is to be able to pass some of those tests and to actually break through some of the barriers that maybe the previous generations weren't able to break through because maybe they didn't pass those tests. So that's kind of what I'm, I think I'm passionate about and wanting to see people do is um, pass those tests and not just abort their destiny or their purpose and um, in a sense just um, you know try to do it on their own but God has a avenue and a method that can actually get you to go further than where you currently are absolutely and would you agree with this Israel that sonship and and um Knowing knowing whose son and whose daughter you are addresses identity issues. It address, it secures us even in our even in our past or our failures or our brokenness to know whose house we belong to. Ultimately, you know our leaders, but ultimately Christ. You know that we're that we're sons and daughters of God. I mean, sonship just it addresses identity, and it should give all of us great security. Um, and and bring healing to a lot of brokenness that, quite frankly, is present. I, I just think because people and believers forget whose they are yeah. and where they belong. Yeah, so true. I, I mean, it all is, I think, what you're saying is that identity thing, and we're having that in this postmodern world that we live in. You know, so many times you could hear daddy issues or, um, you know, just issues with identity. And when you really understand uh, the first part of being the son of, um, you know, son and daughter of God, it will help you in every other relationship. And so I've had some pretty... I've had some pretty messed up uh, in the natural relationship issues. And so when I start developing and getting a hold of this spiritual sonship concept, it actually, like you said, not only does it heal me, but it actually then catapults into how better a father I can be to my kids, how much better a husband I can be to my wife. What a better pastor I can be to my congregation when I can, um, you know, really grab a hold of some of those sonship concepts that really do start and finish with identity. I feel like I had a revelation the other day on something having to do with the church. And this is so simple, but to me, it just hit me in a really profound way. So we've all met these people that say something like, I love Jesus, but not the church. You know, <laughs> the, the church is an institution, an organization, too political, corrupt, I mean, you know, whatever, whatever people say. I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. And so I thought mm-hmm. about this. People's relationship with God is determined by how he treats them, which of course is is perfect love 
and always kind and present and but people's relationship with the church is often determined not by how God treats them but by how people treat them. And so a lot of the reasons I see people disconnect from the church or uproot their lives in church have to do with having bumped their heads along the way with God's people. And so we end up with this, I love God, but but there's something about the church and the people in the church that I, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. I don't want to be a part of that. And But when I think about what's held me in the same church my whole life, it's actually because, it's not that I never bumped my head, but it's that I became a son of the house. And, and I became secure in that identity and that identity actually carried me through all of the bumps in the road. And it's the reason I love God's house. I don't love God's house because it's flawless. I love God's house because my life was changed there. And because I recognize that that's actually the, the, the place that God has me planted. And so, um, I just love to hear your thoughts for a second on being a son of the house. I mean, what is it? What does it look like to be a son or be a daughter of the house? And, and why is that important for a believer, but specifically a leader? You know, those that are leading in ministry. In other words, not just a job, but to truly be a son of the thing that you're a part of. Well, yeah. And I, I think that thought that you were thinking is brilliant. And of course, just the whole um, leading second uh, ministry that you're birthing is just so important because uh, in at least in my mind is I agree with you being a son of the house. Um, you know, Jesus is actually, the Bible says, is coming back for his church. Yep. And so um, he's not coming. Coming back for a podcast, uh, nothing yep. wrong with a podcast because we're recording one right now. Right. Um, you know, uh, he's not coming back for a live stream. Um, he's coming back for his church. Yes. And uh, part of that is us making choices to build God's house. What is eternal? And, um, you know, I, I wonder sometimes, maybe this isn't answering your question, but I, I wonder sometimes if we're not seeing the full end of times because the Bible says he's waiting for his church without spot or wrinkle. And um, uh, I've got some laundry that have some spots and I've got some laundry <laughs> that needs some wrinkles and or has some wrinkles. And uh, those spots and wrinkles just don't come out. It's going to take some work. And being a son or daughter is actually actually seeing the church and realizing, yeah, there are some spots and there are some wrinkles, but we have been gifted and given talents to actually take out some of those spots, take out some of those wrinkles and actually make the church a place that um, can be life changing for so many people. And I I just I think it bugs me uh, when somebody, um, you know, gives up on the church because of a certain issue. And it's like giving up on the church doesn't fix the church, uh, but actually staying there and um, being part of the solution. And especially if you observe it, um, that, that means there's some people that may not see it, that angle, or maybe they're not gifted in that to fix it. Most of the times the things in church that bug us are the same things that we're gifted to fix. And so if we just all 
If we bail on it, then the church never gets better, and uh, the church getting better is what Jesus is coming back for. And so I, I understand your tension on that. And, um, you know, we have these great opportunities. The Bible says, um, you know, uh, the Old Testament's always the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And every, um, every generation, it grew. So Abraham only has Isaac. Uh, Isaac has Jacob and Esau, and then Jacob has 12 sons. And so there's this multiplication when it comes to sonship that can happen. And so I think about you and I making decisions to be sons of you know, of, in a sense, sons of the house. But what about your daughter? What is she going to do? Mm. What are my three kids going to do? If I, if we can train them to be sons and daughters of the house, they're going to be that multiplied generation that are going to do so much more than we can do if we can keep our hearts right and understand uh, that sonship is not always uh, with everything is in agreement with what we want to do, but sonship is part of the process of allowing God to purify our heart and become part of the house and help that house be everything God's called it to be. Absolutely. And I hope that people that are listening to this, I hope that people are realizing that the art of sonship we're talking about is genderless, that that this is a son and a daughter, like we're, we're everyone can be a son and a daughter of the house. And, totally. and, um, you know, like the other day it was, it was fun, Israel. We were driving into, a um, like a daddy daughter breakfast at, um, my daughter's school. And, uh, we were driving and from the back seat, she pipes up and she said, dad, are, are you the pastor of leading second? And she knows she was at our launch. She knows that we're up to something. I don't think she quite knows what it is. And um, I said, well, I guess you could say it like that. You know, I guess that's probably accurate. So she paused for a second and then she goes, um, so does that mean that I could be the vice pastor of Leading Second? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and I thought, vice pastor, um, I'm imagining it's kind of a vice president sort of a feel. Uh, I imagine that's what a vice pastor is. And I, what it just really hit me. It was such a such a funny in a ways conversation. But I just remember thinking, thank God she feels secure in this. Like like we're giving her something to belong to, you know. We're giving her something to that you know anchors anchors her in. And um, yeah. I don't know that that little small conversation ended up just meaning the world to me because Lord knows I don't get it right as a parent. But but man, if she is finding her place as a daughter of the house, a son of the house, you know, just maybe, maybe we're onto something that can sustain her through the bumps in the road along the way. Yeah, totally. I mean, that hurts. Mm, so good. So I have this question for you, maybe as we wrap up today, um, what would you want every son to understand about being a son? Uh, or every daughter to understand about being a daughter? I mean, what, what, what should we, work at getting right if we want to be a son of the house uh, what would you want them to understand yeah um you know I, I i think one of the experiences that i've had is i've been a um you know i've been a youth pastor i've been on team where i wasn't the lead pastor i've been a senior pastor and i think that one of the things that we can so often do is um uh and we can see it in david's sons too uh but 
What they'll do or what we can do is we can sometimes see our fathers and we can see their flaws and we can see their mistakes. And instead of learning to, um, uh, I like the Old Testament story of Noah uh, covering their flaws, uh, we just, in a sense, stare and we become asphyxiated on what they're not doing right instead of actually getting a hold of, but what can I get from this great man and woman of God? What price have they paid? What different things, you know, can I get? And I just think that the biggest thing for me when I think of sons and I think of daughters that don't quite make it is that they're thinking and their processes of keeping their heart pure and keeping their heart from being upset and whatever it has to do with many times not being able to handle the process of maybe their 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 spiritual dad and why did they make that decision and i think oftentimes we just don't know all the information, if that makes sense. And as we get older and we get wiser, then we go, oh, that's why they didn't do that. Totally. And uh, and then then we miss it. Um, And so maybe that's too long of an answer. Um, But I I think that that's the biggest part is just, you know, really, you know, trusting God that um, they hear from God. And if, if I don't fully understand, I don't fully um, get it, or I don't even fully agree, it's okay because I know that they're listening to God. Mm-hmm. And God will, at the end, um, turn it right, but I'm not going to self-sabotage myself in the meantime and miss out on what God has for me. Okay, so let me ask you the same question now, but in reverse about fathers, you know, fathers wanting to raise up sons and daughters. Um, what would you say to every father? What should they understand about being a father? Yeah. Um, and you know, it's funny that you say that because I just this recently was watching um, a sports game and I saw this and was like, wow, uh, they were doing commercials. They were doing, I saw a Facebook commercial. I saw an Uber commercial and I saw a Wells Fargo commercial. And all of them in an essence were saying we were wrong. We're sorry. And we're going to work on it. Wow. And I uh, and I think the world's kind of getting a hold of that. I think spiritual fathers sometimes uh, and you can bring this all the way back to, you know, maybe Catholicism and maybe just really religious people that it was always this sense of the spiritual fathers are always right no matter what because God's ordained us we're anointed we're the man of God and we're the spiritual leader um, and um, maybe that was for a time period of they needed that but I think um, really good sons and really good daughters need dads um, spiritual leaders that are okay with saying I made a mistake who <laughs> we missed it on this so one good. Um, I, I don't I, I thought I was on the right page, but obviously it's not. Things didn't turn out as well as I intended, but we're going to make it through. And I think that um, that would be something that I'm trying to uh, emulate more and more. And But I'm seeing the world do it. I think a spiritual fathers um, being able to say we're wrong is a really good start of being a good spiritual dad. Man, so, so good. Well, my friend, we love you. So thankful for for what you're building in California, but thank you for you know get getting in line and working hard to help 
people that are far from Southern California through your book. It, I just am, I'm so thankful for what you're doing and and what you're birthing through that. I believe it's going to help a lot of people. Well, same thing with you. Um, I, I'm so appreciative of our relationship, but I am more than appreciative. I really feel like what you're doing uh, with Leading Second is not only going to impact this nation and churches, but it's going to impact the world. And uh, I love your heart. I love your heart for God's house. I love your heart for your uh uh, church and your pastor, and it's contagious. Anytime I'm around you, I want to love on my pastor more and love on my church more because of this heart that you have. So keep it up, keep crushing it, and uh, let's have a board meeting in uh, Hermosa Beach soon. <laughs> Deal. Done. I love it. Thanks, my friend. If this podcast has resonated with you, we would love to hear from you. I want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so we can join you every single week, wherever you listen to this from. Uh, I'd encourage you also to jump over and leave a rating, a comment, even share it with someone uh, who doesn't know about the podcast yet or share it with your team, go through it with your team. Uh, we would just count it an honor to be a part of your world in any way. And let me just say, if you are leading on a church team, you're a young leader. We love you. We believe in you. We started leading second for you. We got in line for you. And my prayer is that this weekly installment of leadership just adds a layer, a perspective to your life, uh, because I believe we're better together. So let's run strong for the kingdom leading second and let's lead in an uncommon way together. Oh.